You're listening to The Profile. Hi, welcome to The Profile podcast. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing Christian leaders in the church and charity worlds and in the wider culture. It was John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence for God, whether in the home, at church, in your workplace or elsewhere. The show is brought to you by Premier Christianity magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at Premier Christianity. You're no doubt aware that there are various leadership models. In some settings, there is a leader at the so-called top uh, and followers below. And many churches and charities and small business settings have a version of this, albeit with a few nuances. But larger organisations talk of needing to develop a leadership culture, whereby everyone knows what kind of leadership is expected and how leadership is trained, developed and nurtured. Well, I'm joined this week by a former youth worker who's had to learn how to lead over the years. His name is Terry English. He's now Director of Learning and Development for Josiah Venture. Josiah Venture describes itself as a movement of God among the youth of Central and Eastern Europe that finds its home in the local church and transforms society. Terry's worked with students in the USA, UK and Norway, and now lives in the Czech Republic, having arrived for what he thought was just a year, some 25 years ago. His focus is now on equipping local churches. He also continues to work with a local youth ministry and other outreach initiatives in the Czech Republic and is an elder at the local church. So, Terry, lovely to welcome you to The Leadership Show. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I mentioned in my introduction that you are somewhat surprised that what you thought was going to be a year has actually turned out to be 25. So give me a little bit of the background and you coming to the Czech Republic. Yes, well, I never expected to move to the Czech Republic. That was never in my career plan. Um, I was working uh, in London and a friend of mine who lived in the Czech Republic at the time called me uh, and said that she was working for a Christian school and they needed more teachers. And as she was praying about who to invite, she felt that the Holy Spirit uh, led her to call me. And hence she was calling me, uh, to which my response was, well, that's that's very interesting, but I have no interest in being a teacher. I really have no interest in missions. Um, I don't even know where the Czech Republic is, but you want to give the Christian no, and the Christian no is, I'll pray about it. Uh, to which her response was, well, can you pray about it right now? Um, so I prayed there and then, and I felt God convicted me that actually I was supposed to move to the Czech Republic. So I, I came here 20, 25 years ago, expecting to uh, work for one year um, as a teacher for Christian school. Um, but obviously God had other plans. Um, during my first year, I knew that he was calling me to stay. That was a bit of a struggle because I had given him one year, not my future. Oh. <laughs> um but after a couple of uh, months of struggling, I, I realized that I was uh, taking a very sinful position um, and that God did have a better plan for my life than I had. So I obviously I agreed to stay at the time, hoping it would be for one more year and one more year turned into 25 years. Wow. And you were working with choirs at some point, I understand? Yes. So during my first year, although my students were adults, um, I started uh, doing some youth work. Um, every Friday we'd have an English um, youth club for non-Christian students that would come. And then from that, we began to start a choir for 
unchurched youth. Um, and that choir was called Tensing. We did it as part of the YMCA work. The YMCA in England also used to run this kind of ministry. It's actually how I became a believer. So for 10 years um, within Ostrava, I began to do a lot of youth work, um, starting up these choirs in the region. And that was my 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 main ministry for a long time, um, starting these choirs or helping other people start them. Um, and then 15 years ago, we realized what we're doing is good, but it's really hard to get young people from something like a, a, a rock gospel choir into the local church. Um, the ministries that we had started were with the YMCA's and it was hard to get the young people, even those that had come to Christ, to want to become a part of the church or even understand why the church was important. To them, we were the church. Um, and so we realized that the true win for us would be to equip churches to do what we had been doing. And, and that's the point where my wife and I were invited to join Josiah Venture, who equips churches to work with young people. And Dave Patty, the president of Josiah Venture, told us why well, he's been watching what we do at a distance and he loves what we do, but wouldn't it be better if we equipped churches to do it? It'd be more impactful. And thankfully, we had also come to that realization that Holy Spirit had also convicted us of that. So, so we joined Josiah Venture 15 years ago to help churches throughout Central Eastern Europe uh, reach young people through rock gospel choirs. And and I understand that it started with quite a few kind of what we call full-time workers or people supported financially for what they're doing. And it's really mushroomed into a very large number of people now that you oversee. You, you very graciously say you had to learn leadership as a youth worker and you come across various models. And um, I understand you you value the world's longest study of leadership by uh, Jim Kuzes. Is that how you pronounce his name? Mm -hmm. and, and, uh -huh. and Barry Barry. Posner. So, uh, mm -hmm. and you gave a talk about this uh, to, to other leaders. So, take us through the what what he calls the five practices of exemplary leadership and how that's been a a blessing to you in your leadership. Yeah. So, um, Jim and Barry Kunz uh, and Posner they started this study uh, forty five years ago, and they asked six thousand leaders, um, "When you are at your leadership best, what are you doing? Tell us a story." Um, of something that you're really proud of as a leader, a, a time when you overcame a challenge or, or did something that you think, this was me at my leadership best, what were you doing? And they analyzed 6,000 stories and began to find certain commonalities or similarities in all of the stories. Um, and from that, they, they synthesized it into what they call five practices of exemplary leadership. Um, and at the time, um, those five practices were written and they are modeled away inspire a shared vision, challenge the process, enable others to act and encourage the heart. I'll, I'll talk a bit more about those in a little bit. But the, the study has continued for 45 years. And what's really, really interesting is that these five practices continue to come up time and time again. So it's it's not a study that someone did 45 years ago and today it's irrelevant. Um, I have some of the latest figures from 2023, 2023 and these things come up time and time again. And, and now a lot of studies have been done on companies that actually embrace these practices and they found that um, companies or organizations that embrace these practices tends to be leaders in their um, environments. Um, they have a much lower staff turnover rates and a much higher, um, if you're a company, profitability, if you're a nonprofit, um, impact on engagement. So, so for us as an organization as well, as I said, we're in 16 different countries. Um, 
with lots of different leadership styles. And obviously in our part of the world, Central and Eastern Europe, for many, many years, it was under um, communist dictatorships. And so the leadership model was very directive and positional. Um, I'm the boss, do what I say. And if you don't do what I say, well, well in, in the extreme circumstances, you would end up in jail. Yes, indeed, <laughs> so yeah. especially when I, when I first moved here, this was the dominant uh, leadership um, culture. Um, the boss directs and everybody else does. Um, but obviously over the years, things have changed. But as we began to seek a common leadership framework for all of our organization, we realized that uh, these five practices are especially impactful for Christian organizations um, because you can look at the life of Christ and see this is actually in many ways how he led. We talk of Jesus as being a servant leader. But if we look at each of these five practices, it's very easy to think of a time when Jesus exemplified each of these practices. Were there any particularly of these five that, that you thought, Crumbs, that's going to really help us? To be honest, it really depends on the different culture. Um, in a lot of our cultures, enable others to act is especially impactful. Um, a lot of people that we work alongside and church leaders that we work alongside have been raised to believe the leader does everything or the leader is the boss or they have to control everything. Uh, and obviously that's um, all well and good if you have um, a very talented, and I'm going to say... Um, benevolent leader, <laughs> but it's actually uh, not a good model for raising other leaders. And it's not actually how Jesus uh, led as well. Um, so when we run these workshops across um, the countries that we work, work in, oftentimes enable others to act is the one that has the biggest impact because it's really helping leaders understand uh, their role as a leader is to raise other leaders, not to decide everything. Um, but obviously, in some other countries, uh, just encourage the heart is something that's really, really important. And especially when working with uh, younger generations, um, younger generations want to be seen, they want to be known, they want to feel like their life has purpose. Um, and so seeing the person that you're leading as an individual and wondering, how can I encourage this person and as an individual? How can I see this person as an individual is very important. Um, and can you just unpack the encouraging of the heart, uh, Terry? Yes. So um, so with each of these five practices, we talk about two commitments per practice. And, and the two commitments with, with encourage the heart are recognize contributions by showing appreciation for individual excellence. And so that's saying when you see someone doing something well, say it. Um, tell stories about that person. Tell that person themselves, hey, we really appreciate what you've done. And, and then the other commitment would be celebrate the values and victories by creating a spirit of community. And so you're celebrating uh, when you as an organization or as a church do something well, you celebrate that. You, you use celebrations to reinforce uh, the things that you want to see valued. And so there's two activities for each of the five. So maybe you could yeah. run, th run through mm -hmm. them for us. Yes, okay. So for Model the Way, um, the first commitment is clarify values by finding your voice and affirming shared values. So that's, you know, the leader must themselves understand what they believe in, what is important for them, what their own values are, um, and affirm values that you want the organization to be uh, operating under. And then the second is set the example by aligning actions with shared values. So obviously, um, do what you say you will do or be the example for everybody else. And obviously we can look at Jesus doing this. He was very clear on his values, very clear on the, the values that he affirmed. And 
didn't affirm. Um, and he set the example. He washed his disciples' feet uh, to show them this is what it means to serve. So that's one example of how Jesus exemplified and modeled the way. So with the next practice of inspire a shared vision, we talk about envisioning the future by imagining exciting and, and ennobling possibilities. So it's important for leaders to be able to look to the future. And then the second thing is enlist others in a common vision by appealing to shared aspirations. And, and the important thing with this one is that um, they're shared. It's not the leader saying, this is my vision of the future. It's the leader saying, how can we together create a vision of the future that is shared? And then with the next uh, practice, challenge the process. Uh, the two commitments are search for opportunities by seizing the initiative and looking outward for innovative ways to improve. And then experiment and take risks by consistently generating small wins and learning from experience. And obviously in our parts of the world, uh, we have a very shame-based school culture. Um, so it feels like when my children come home from school, they don't tell us about how they were praised for what they got right. They were just told off for what they got wrong. <laughs> and that that's just true of the Central Eastern European school system. It's slowly but surely changing, but it is what it is. And so one of the things that we talk about, especially with people in this part of the world, is making it safe to make mistakes. And to help people understand mistakes are a normal part of growing. They're a normal part of an organization moving forwards. Um, I love a quote by Craig Rochelle. He's the leader of Life Church in America that, that came up with the Bible app. And he says, in my organization, um, mistakes are not tolerated. They are expected. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's uh, challenge the process. And then, again, we've spoken about enabling others to act. So the two commitments are foster collaboration by building trust and facilitating relationships. And, and again, we can see how Jesus did that. Think of the 12 disciples, how different they were. You had a, a zealot alongside a tax collector. Um, and then the second commitment is strengthen others by increasing self-determination and developing competence. Well, sounds so, ex all sounds excellent, Terry. Uh, yeah. uh, were any of those things you warm towards more and any of those you found hardest as a leader? Well, for me personally, I, I will say um, when we began to roll this, this um, I'm going to call it a leadership operating system out within our organization, um, part of what we do is uh, we do 360s. Um, so we encourage feedback from people who lead us, people who we lead and people that we work alongside. Um, and in, in my past, I've launched quite a few ministries. And so I expected that Inspire a Shared Vision would be something that um, I would receive more positive feedback on. Uh, but one of the things that the feedback showed me is um, oftentimes it's my vision, not their vision. Um, and so, you know, I have a plan. Uh, <laughs> and it, it helped me realize I have to slow down, um, especially as, as the culture changes. Um, even even 15 years ago, I would say in the Czech Republic, people were happier to follow uh, rather than become a part of the process. Uh, but nowadays, people really want to be a part of the leadership process. And so I've had to learn to slow down with the vision casting and, and enable people, the team together, create the vision together and own the vision together, which may be slightly different from what I would want it to be. Um, but trust that the Holy Spirit is leading the team rather than just speaking through me. So that that was one thing that was really, really important uh, for me to learn. 
And then the other thing with enable others to act, um, the feedback I received is is um, my leadership style was a lot more directive um, than people would wish for. Um, and again, 15 years ago, that's what worked in this part of the world. But the culture is changing. And so I've had to learn to become much more supportive in my leadership and to walk alongside much more than walk in front of or walk behind and push. So walk alongside people. Uh, and so really uh, what, what I'm truly embracing now is, is my success is when I'm no longer needed. My job is to put myself out of a job as fast as I can. Well, it's, well, it's great to hear, Terry, and uh, I'm very gracious of you to acknowledge some of your challenges as well. Um, Terry, you, you've mentioned that that study has, has you know, been over four decades or so. And of course, different leaders with different of different generational backgrounds will have therefore participated in the study. Um, there's been studies of how you know, sociologists have divided age groups according to common characteristics of so gen gen z sorry gen x gen z as a or z as we would say in england mm-hmm. uh, millennials etc so the argument is that you need to lead groups slightly differently depending on their background and of course leaders themselves part of those generations will lead slightly differently is that something you found yeah and this is something that's really really interesting um obviously uh I'm, I'm in my 50s now, so uh, leadership was different when I was younger. Um, it was more directive. I actually went to military school, so that was extremely oh, wow, directive. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so we expected a different type of leadership, and we were okay with that. Um, what we're finding now is, especially as the workforce is younger, um, studies are showing that in 2025, 70% of the workforce will be millennials in our generation. In my own organization right now, just I venture, 78% of our staff are millennials in our generation. They demand a different style of leadership. Um, the directive style of leadership is no longer going to work for the younger generations. So one thing that is interesting is older people, especially the baby boomers, um, a lot of their motivation is based on um, loyalty or um, what should I do? So even in churches today, um, old people are fantastic volunteers because they understand this is what I should do. Um, But especially for uh, the younger you get, a lot more you need to be thinking about how do I help this person understand um, the purpose behind what they're doing. Young people today, younger generations want to have an impact and they want to have a purpose for their life. And so I think the style of leadership, honestly, these five practices have always been the same, but how they are lived out is changing. Um, So I would say, you know, each of these five practices, I, I still lived out when I was being a much more directive leader. But I have learned that they look different as I'm leading different types of people now. Um, so again, with with younger people, um, they put a higher process on the process, a higher sorry value on the process than the results. Uh, our generation and above, maybe for us, the results is everything. And and how you get there, you know, if we tread on a few toes, oh well, makes a man. The out end of justifies you. the means. <laughs> the yeah. end justifies the means. But nowadays. Um, the means is the end. Yeah. Um, the process of getting somewhere is more important than the final result in many, many ways. Um, but actually what companies are realizing if they understand that and if they are willing to lead people in a way that gives their staff a voice, um, if they're willing to engage their staff in the process and be much more empowering, actually the results they get are quite fantastic. Yeah. 
Uh, and what would be the kind of leadership training you would do within the context of this? Are you are you talking about gathering small groups together to teach or to talk talk yes. around issues? What sort of methods are you using, Terry, to embody all this within your organisation? Yeah. So this is, again, one way in which leadership development has changed a lot in the, in the last 15, 20 years, because I think 20 years ago, when you wanted to ro- equip people as leaders, you could give a front-led seminar and just expect that people will uh, learn what they need to learn. And then possibly that would lead to action. Whereas these days, um, the learning needs to be I say um, learner-centric guided learning. So as, as we roll these out in our organization, we use a two and a half day process, which actually the, the Leadership Challenge organization has developed and we've been able to adapt it even, even to include our Christian values and use stories from the the, the, the Bible and things like that. But it's it's we, we start off with doing the 360 um, so that people can get some feedback before they start and, and help them understand what is their starting point as a leader. Uh, the impact that they're having as a leader in areas that they possibly could grow in. And, and then we talk about what is the difference between leading and managing. Um, again, in this part of the world, uh, people equate managing with leading. Um, and so a, a lot of leaders of large organizations here, they're fantastic managers. They're, they're great at filling in tables, yes. uh, but they're not necessarily the best leaders. <laughs> they're not good at modeling, inspiring, challenging, enabling, and encouraging. Um, and so over the next two days, we, we roll out or we talk about each of these five practices, but it's, it's usually a discussion. Um, I might know where I want the discussion to end, but I would ask, for example, when we're thinking about enabling others to act, I would ask, uh, think of a time when um, you felt really empowered at work or, and people would, I mean, and I would ask, you know, what were behaviors that led you to feel, feel very empowered and, and the people in the room come up with a list of behaviors and then we ask well what about times when you felt disempowered and you know everyone has some examples of when they feel disempowered and we write lists of disempowering behavior and then it's simply a discussion well which of these behaviors why do you think it's it's um why do you think people act in disempowering ways does this is this true of you at all have you when you think about how you've lived in the last two or three weeks uh, would any of the people that you lead say that possibly you've used some of these disempowering behaviors and so it's a, it's a learner guided discussion um the, most leaders they've had the experience to know what works and what doesn't work but they haven't necessarily had the time to synthesize what works and doesn't work and think about well how does that change how i want to lead um they're not necessarily or they might not have the time to be more intentional about developing and thinking about well as these as I have new staff coming on board, how can I be more intentional about leading in a way that they feel is empowering or, or they feel um, they are heard? So, so essentially, it's a two-day, two-and-a-half-day process of um, lots of discussions, some games, some role-playing, and it's a lot of fun and sometimes some crying. Um, but we try and create a safe space. Um, and we do these within teams um, so that the teams can be learning together because once a team has realized these are things that are fantastic to do in our, in our organization and these are behaviors we want to avoid in our organization they can together take ownership of that but also all the way through that two and a half days we, we pause every two hours or so and we say okay now think about a leadership situation that you have specifically and what have you learned in the last two hours that you can specifically apply and we give people half an hour to think and pray about that and and 
every two hours, what am I going to apply what I've just been learning? And then at the very end, um, one of the things that we've learned with corporate learning, um, not just within the Christian world, but in corporations, is, is most training events are quite possibly a waste of time and money. They might be a lot of fun. And you might go to a training event and, and just have enjoyed it. But six months after the event, you ask someone, what has changed? How have you changed because of this event? And the answer, 82% of the time, is nothing. I enjoyed it. I meant to do something, but, you know, I, I, I got back to work and inertia or my manager wasn't supportive of it or it just wasn't the right time and nothing changed. So one of the things that we do is, uh, again, towards the end of the weekend or the, the training, we give people a, one hour to put together a plan of what will they do. And then we put them together with a buddy. We say, find a friend in the room, share your plan, and then in your calendar, um, put a time in two or three weeks time when you're going to meet with each other and ask, how are you doing with initiating these changes that we spoke about? How are you doing with your own leadership challenge? Um, we found that that is really important, the accountability. And then we also say you also have to, on your next upline meeting, the next time you meet with your manager, you need to tell them, this is what I've learned. This is what I want to change. And this is the help I need from you. Harry, that sounds really, really excellent. Sadly, times defeated us, but um, how could people get access to this um, material? So the Leadership Challenge, um, if you go to leadershipchallenge.com, it's a web page uh, where you can find anywhere in the world um, providers of this. In, in the United Kingdom, there's a, an organization called Quest Leadership. They're based in Peterborough. Um, and they're not a Christian organization, um, but they are the organization that have equipped just high adventure to use this uh, leadership theory in a really impactful way. Um, so that's one option. Um, there is a book, The Leadership Challenge. You can find it on Amazon. It's now in its seventh edition. Um, so those are some simple things that you can do. Or, of course, if you want to know more about um, how to do this in an especially Christian environment, I'd be happy for people to contact me. Um, although my my role is to equip churches throughout Central and Eastern Europe. Um, my Not in the UK or Christian <laughs> my heart my heart is to equip people anywhere. So I'm always happy to answer some questions or point people in some great directions. If I can't personally help, I usually know a man who can. Oh, Terry, well, it's been terrific to to chat with you. Thank you so much for all the wisdom that you've passed on. Right, it's been wonderful to be here. Thank you so much. It was a joy, of course, to chat with Terry English, the director of the Josiah Venture, and the materials that he was focusing on, the five exemplary ways of leadership, can be found at the leadershipchallenge.com website. Uh, you can go to Quest, the organization in the UK that runs programs based around that book, and then the book itself, the Leadership Challenge book, which you can find on Amazon. This is Andy Peck thanking you for your company. Looking forward to the next time. Bye for now.